right, good morning, church. Take your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 will be reading. Be on the, verses will be on the screen. Uh, in just a moment, we, last Sunday we began a series entitled, it's on the gospel of Mark, uh, learning to follow Jesus. And what does that look like in the context of 2021? What does that look like with the, within the church this morning and how that uh, plays out or flushes out, so to speak, uh, in our daily walk with Christ? Last Sunday, we looked at the, the beginning, those very uh, first 13 verses of Mark chapter 1, where Jesus is making his father proud. When he went through the baptismal waters, the word, the word of God says a spirit ascended on him like a dove. And it said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Last Sunday, we had uh, several people that went through the baptismal waters here at Calvary. And it's a picture of that death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This morning, as we observed the Lord's Supper, it's the other ordinance of the church that also depicts the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And, and the importance of us, and not to forget that, not to neglect remembering the sacrifice that, that he gave on the cross. And he was baptized by John the Baptist. And then we see he also overcame the temptation of Satan as Satan is, is trying to tempt him in the wilderness. And uh, three different times... Satan uh, tempted Christ, and all three times, uh, Christ uh, kept his deity, kept his dignity, kept his uh, uh, sin, sinlessness, and it's awesome to see the, the beautiful picture of how he lived the perfect sin, sinless life uh, and set an example for each one of us. In fact, if you think about the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, every day was leading up to that ultimate sacrifice when he would die uh, for sinful man. Jesus called ordinary men to follow him and uh, into an extraordinary work. And this morning we're going to look at the subject, how Jesus uses ordinary people. How did he choose the 12 disciples? How did Jesus uh, pick each one of those to be his followers and to carry on the message of hope and salvation because he was ultimately preparing to die and his his mission here would be over once he rose again from the grave and ultimately he would pass down that that uh responsibility he would was passed down that call to you and i as, as the church of jesus christ and so he called ordinary people to follow and, and and to serve him today we're looking at the how he uses ordinary people and as disciples of jesus we must also redefine our purpose to become fishers of men and to join him in that mission of reaching others with the gospel. Sometimes we get the idea that uh, serving Christ re uh, revolves around a professional identity and sometimes you can see uh, big name pastors out there and, and you think, man, their, their name is in lights, and you see the Stephen Furtick's, and you see Andy Stanley, or if you're a little older generation, his father, Charles Stanley, and you're like, man, you know, they're really killing it as far as, as making disciples, and they're reaching people. Maybe you look at some of the, the bands and singers to, of, of contemporary Christian life, and, and you think, man, uh, Chris Tomlin, I mean, he's got to be up there at the top. You know, whenever we get to heaven, he's probably going to be leading in worship or Matt Redmond or some of these different people. You're it's easy to see that and think, man, those people. But folks, Jesus just used ordinary people. It wasn't people whose names were in lights, people who uh, were best-selling authors. It wasn't people that had all of these uh, 
accolades after their name and, and all these followings on Twitter or social media. He uses ordinary people. In fact, as disciples of Jesus, we've got to realize God is not looking for our talents or abilities that would impress him. He's looking for surrendered hearts that are yielding solely to Jesus Christ. And we think as God is looking for the super talented and gifted, he couldn't, couldn't possibly use us in that process. This morning, we're going to see how the people that Jesus chose as his disciples were probably some of the most unlikely uh, to be chosen. And, and probably, we would probably pass over. If you remember as a child, you would go out to recess on the playground and, you know, you're forming a kickball game and uh, or, or a wiffle ball game or whatever the sport was that would include all these people. And you're, you know, back, you know, those days it was, it was all co-ed and, you know, boys and girls and everybody's out there and you're like, you've got two captains and they're going to choose a team and they're sizing up the crowd. You know, they're looking out there going, man, I think he's, he's played baseball before. I'm going to put him on my wolf ball team. Or I think she can kick. I'm going to put her on my team. Or I think, you know, she would be a good pitcher or whatever. And, and you start uh, eyeing up the crowd and you're choosing based on external things. You're looking at uh, things that maybe you know about the person or you've heard about them or you're looking at their natural, natural athletic ability. When Jesus was looking at uh, people for being his disciples, that's not the way he went about it. And, and I want us to hone in on the Word of God this morning. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Let's read our text this morning. It says, After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's simple. He says, Repent. And believe in, in the gospel. He says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of, of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets, and immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, I pray over the next few moments as we open your word and, and, and look at it verse by verse, God, would you speak to us, Lord, the obedience of these men that would step up and lay aside their nets, lay aside their occupation, their family, their whatever their future plans were, and, and they would obediently and, and willingly and immediately follow you. God, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, you're looking for men and women that are just willing, teenagers that are willing, young people that are willing to say, here am I, send me. If God could use Peter, if he could use someone like Thomas, who was always doubting, if he could use people who had forsaken and, and, and denied Christ, how could he use me? How could he use me for his kingdom and for his glory, for his renown? God, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Help us to be in tune with you. God, for those who've never answered that call to follow you, Lord, I pray this morning they would understand that salvation is, is only good news if, if we receive it. God, I pray that those that may not know you as Lord and Savior, would, today would be that moment of decision 
your Holy Spirit would draw them to yourself in salvation, God, and they would place their faith and trust in you. And God, those of us that know Christ as our Savior, may we leave today more encouraged about how you want to use us in the process of making disciples. Lord, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for what you're going to accomplish. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's look at the message to ordinary people. Christ is, is just beginning. He's just getting started. So it says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What does it mean the time is fulfilled? The time had finally arrived. It was time the Son of Man was beginning his earthly ministry. He was now of age and, and, and beginning to preach and perform miracles and teach and go from city to city challenging people with the gospel, the truth of the gospel, how Christ wants to radically transform their lives. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. In other words, he says all of the prophecies up to this point had been pointing that the Messiah was going to come. He was going to come and he would ultimately lay down his life on the cross. And he says, this moment has happened. I don't know if you've ever had a big vacation in your mind. And maybe you're thinking right now, I, I would love to go on a vacation after the last 18 months. I'd love to go somewhere. So you let your mind just transport there for just a, a brief second, you know, whether it's Disney World or, or Hawaii or, you know, Cancun. I, I've been watching people's videos and, and pictures on their vacations. And wherever that is where you're thinking, man, I'd love to go on a vacation. And and there's certain things now you can look everything up online. So if wherever you're going to stay, there's usually tours uh, of, the, uh, of the facilities. And there's uh, pictures online. And you can see the different uh, excursions or things that you want to go do or go out on a boat or, or, or rent a kayak or whatever it is. And, and you're looking at all these things and there's, it's building up in your mind. And, you know, I remember as a kid sometimes, Martha, I remember thinking of what it would be like to go to Disney World. And, and it builds up in your mind, and then you get there, and it's usually not quite like what you thought, but sometimes it's even better. I mean, sometimes it's like you get there, and you're like, man, I can't, I, it's just, it's so magical, it's so perfect, it's so amazing. And so it's building up in your mind, and what he's saying is, up to this point, everything was leading up to the fact that the Messiah was coming. And he says, now the fullness of time has come. Jesus has arrived. The Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, has now come and is beginning his ministry. That is that something is complete and fully developed. It's like ripe fruit ready to be picked, or like corn and beans that are ready to be harvested by the farmers. And the other day, my wife and I were driving down the, the road, and it was a beautiful field. I don't even know if you can see it on the screen, but here is, in, in, uh, in all those rows, there's pumpkins, and uh Tana was like, oh my word. And I was like, there's a pumpkin patch across the street on the island. She's like, not like that. I mean, I mean, they were just as far as you could see. It looked like miles of pumpkins. And, and the farmers were getting out in the fields and they were putting them in rows. And they were going to come by with tractors and trailers and, and load all these pumpkins on there. And it was, it was like that fullness of time, the, the harvest was finally here. Uh, I know a, a mum farmer who, who grows all these beautiful mums that we see. We have some on our front porch. And uh, I've, I've seen the fields 
and it's just like as far as the eye can see is nothing but a sea of yellow or, or orange or, or red. And it's absolutely beautiful. He says that fullness of time had come. It, the expression is also used of a pregnant woman feeling labor pains. And as she gets ready to deliver the baby, the stage was perfectly set for the Savior to do his work. Uh, Crystal, my assistant, knows what that's like. Tomorrow morning at 8.30, uh, they've scheduled her C-section. So that fullness of time is right here. I mean, it's less than, a, than 24 hours, she's going to be delivering a baby. But the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is God's rule over God's people in God's place. Jesus told them to repent. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. In other words, the gospel doesn't mean good advice. It's good news. I've heard a pastor say years ago, he says the gospel is only good news if it arrives in time. Because you see, we can celebrate Easter, but if we never apply the truth of why Jesus came to die, was buried, and rose again, if we don't personally place our faith and trust in him, it's of absolutely no effect in our life. If you don't believe that Jesus died for your sin, folks, you're going to spend all of eternity in, in hell. But the reality is this morning is Jesus loved us so much, he died so we didn't have to. And so he's preaching the gospel. He says, repent and believe in the gospel. Sometimes people think they have their entire life to live any way they want to. And just before they die, they can get right with God. Acts 16.31 says, they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. So here is one of the first messages that our Lord preached in his earthly ministry. And he's saying, repent and believe in the gospel. He's preaching a gospel-centered message. If you've ever heard Billy Graham preach through the years, every single sermon, it didn't matter where he was in the gospel, he, in, in the word of God, he was going to bring out that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again. And he's going to preach the good news of the gospel. Here Jesus is calling his followers to fish for people. It didn't include bait or hooks or nets. But a powerful, confrontational, compelling message to compel the masses to come to faith in Christ. With the appearance of Jesus as the Messiah, the kingdom of God was drawing near. In the person of Jesus Christ, mankind is confronted with the kingdom. The reign of God. God had come to earth in the form of man. And folks, what should man's response be? We're to repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. So he says, repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. Repentance is turning from our sin and we're turning away from our sin and turning towards God, toward that relationship with God. And, and we're commanded here to live in a state of repentance and trust in God. In other words, it's a present imperative. Every day we are to be repenting and turning towards the truth of God's word, how God wants us to have an intimate relationship and fellowship with God. Folks, that's not religion. That's called a relationship. Because every day, I'm choosing not to follow a list of rules. I'm choosing to follow my Savior who took my place and died on the cross 
And you're saying, Lord, I'm choosing this morning to get up and follow, walk in your ways, and, and to follow the gospel message. But we see, secondly, the method of ordinary people. Jesus' method to bring about God's kingdom began with gathering a few of the least likely people to be chosen to serve God. You can imagine, I mean, if you were going to go into it, how would you choose those 12 disciples? What would be your pathway if you've worked in HR? You know there's all kinds of personality profiles and, and, and church life. There's spiritual gift profiles. There's all these tests that you can give people to kind of figure out how they're wired and hardwired and all these things. He didn't go to the synagogue and find the strongest business leaders, the ones who were the most faithful in Jewish prayers at the synagogue, the ones who had perfect attendance on the Sabbath, who followed all of the religious rules and regulations. He didn't go on Israel's Got Talent, and every nation has one of those. Uh, he didn't go on Israel's Got Talent and have Simon Cowell there judging possible disciple contestants to see who would make the cut. And, uh, you know, if you've ever watched some of those shows back in the good old days of American Idol and Simon was on there and he would say, never sing again. You know, I mean, I, I miss those days. I mean, let's be that straight up, brutally honest person that says, you know what? Whoever told you you could sing, all my friends tell me I have a great voice. Well, they're not really your friends. They're lying to you. You have a horrible voice. I missed it. I'm, I'm, I'm it, it was funny, but sometimes you're like, really? I mean, that, that's the best you've got, and that's what we came on here thinking you're going to win. It's not about a popularity contest. It wasn't about our abilities or their abilities to offer Jesus certain things. In verse 16, he, we see he goes to where the people were. Down by the Sea of Galilee, Christ chose just ordinary people as his followers. People who would willingly forsake all else to follow him. So he encounters Simon, who's Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew who are fishing. They were not sport fishermen that were on a sports network and they had... You know, live streaming videos of them reeling in bass and all that. It's probably more like deadliest catch. In fact, they're probably more on the, I mean, their life was on the line and they were, they could potentially die out there on the Sea of Galilee. I've, I've had a privilege to go there and I'm telling you, they say storms will brew and come across that water, body of water, and it literally comes out of nowhere and before long it can go from a beautiful sunny day to uh, the, the, the boat is being rocked back and forth and you're not sure if you're going to make it back alive. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So instead of students selecting their desired teacher is, is now students can rate their professors online and you know there's all these apps to choose and uh, next door and you can choose I don't want to work for this person or I don't want to listen. I, it wasn't like that folks. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He repurposed fishermen in order to gather and spare people from God's impending judgment. He uses kind of a backward approach to finding and making disciples. It wasn't a slick marketing strategy or best-selling author approach. Although, if you look it up, Wikipedia says in the Guinness World Records list in 1995, the Bible is the best-selling book of all times 
with an estimated 5 billion copies sold and distributed. But Jesus was just starting. The Old Testament was all we had. And so he wasn't saying, hey, I've written all these fast marketing books that are, I mean, you're going to do five steps to success in life. And if you'll follow me, I'm going to make you wealthy and, and, and wise. And you're going to have uh, a fortune. To, you know, it wasn't like that. He didn't choose some quick fix. Take these pills and you'll lose 30 pounds in the next three months and have that summer body for the beach. Or what, it wasn't one of those quick marketing things. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers. I mean, it was a compelling message. Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, were repeatedly casting their circular nets on either side of the boat and retrieving them. Suddenly, Jesus appears to them and says, hey, guys, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Mark immediately tells us in verse 18, they left their nets and followed him. You know what? In 2021, fast forward just a, a couple thousand years. If, if someone says, hey, I want you to follow me. You're, you're like, well, hold on. Let me Google that person. He is Jesus. What, what's he all about? What's his track record? We're skeptical. We don't trust. We don't follow easily. We don't commit easily. We don't know. In fact, as a, as a pastor... Uh, Bobby, you can attest to that. I mean, people are so skeptical today. In fact, I love, that's one of the things I love about going on some of these overseas mission trips. You present the gospel, and people have absolutely nothing, and so they're saying, I definitely want that. I want to, can I get a copy? I mean, now you can pass out Bibles here uh, on a college campus, and most of them will end up in the trash or on the ground. And, and, but yet, you go over there and you hand out Bibles on the street corner and people are like, can I get one? Can I get one? They'll stay in the line for hours to get a copy of the Word of God. And you present the gospel and say, hey, repent and follow me. And, and, and people come by the hundreds and thousands to follow Jesus Christ. In our culture today, we're skeptical of everybody. We don't trust anybody. We don't have a, a, a Jesus says, follow me. And here's Simon and Andrew lay down their nets, and immediately obeyed and followed. But then we see the meddling of, with ordinary people. I love the picture here because he, Christ is giving a, it, it's continuing on. He says, immediately they left their nets, verse 18, and followed him. Verse 19 says, and going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I, I think that, that verse is absolutely hilarious. I and mean, they're like, but we're out of here. We're gone. I mean, they literally left their dad in the boat uh, with all the other rest of the crew and said, we're leaving. We're out of here. Not only did Jesus encounter Simon and Andrew, he goes a little further down the seashore and he sees James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They're both sitting in their boat. And just like any other fisherman, there's repair time. There's times when you're not out there, not everything. Sometimes we'll have an intern come in and work for us, work with us for the summer. 
And, and they'll be like, man, I had no earthly idea all the things that you actually have to do. I mean, you see those little memes, you know, what my mom thinks I do, what my friends, what, you know, what the, my church thinks I do, and what I actually do. I saw one of those the other day, and it was like, the, 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 what I actually do is the pastor is cleaning the toilet, you know, and plunging the toilet. But everybody else thinks I'm up parting the Red Sea, and, you know, mom thinks I'm, you know, some great expositor and all these things. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's not like we think it is. So they're sitting here mending their nets. That's not the fun stuff, but that's the reality is if you want to be successful at fishing, you have to have quality nets that are they're going to hold the fish and the weight of the fish. And so they're mending them. And Jesus comes along, and he not only has Simon and Andrew with him, he sees James and John, these two other brothers, and he says, hey, I want you to follow me. I want you to join me in that journey of making disciples. He capitalized on this occasion to call them to a new vocation, call them to a new intimacy with himself. The audacity of Jesus to call to discipleship only makes sense if he has the authority to interrupt our lives. You see, what happens is they had already heard who Jesus was. There was no Siri or Google or whatever trying to figure it out. They had already heard that Jesus was in the house, and they wanted to see and hear what he had to say. And so in these few lines, we see one of the most famous acts of obedience in all of history. As these four men laid down their occupations, laid down their relationships, laid down their future, and says, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus Christ without any hindrances. I'm following Jesus Christ. Most people try to use Jesus in one of these three areas that he called the original disciples to surrender their careers, their connections, their comforts. And, and we'll kind of reverse that order and say, you know what? Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you because maybe if I do, I'll become healthy, wealthy, and wise. Maybe if I start going to church, I'll make some business connections and I'll grow my personal business and I'll get, you know, I'll get successful. Or I'll start singing and I'll hit the big time and I'll be on American Idol. And half these people all came through churches. I mean, they were singers at some point in, in a local church and, and I'll get my big break and, and hit the big time. People will start thinking, hey, if, I, if I'm on the board or if I'm serving in this capacity, it's, it's another accolade to add to my name. And people will start being, well, wow, that's pretty impressive. They serve in their church. I think I'll do business with them. I'll start, and folks, people start looking at it as, what do I get out of it? That's the consumer mentality. And they're starting to think, how am I going to improve my way of life? Or if I start giving to God, he's going to bless me and I'll become rich or all of these things. He'll supply all of my needs. Discipleship isn't getting Jesus to help us with our agenda, folks. But it's aligning your entire life to submit to his plans and purpose for our life. I love it. It's a complete paradigm shift. These first disciples were willing to walk away from their own plans to follow his plan and purpose. And I love what verse 20 says, James and John immediately responded with obedience. So quickly that they left their dad in the boat along with all the rest of the crew and just like, peace out. God's called us to follow him. And we're out of here. I mean, I can only imagine dad's probably back there. I mean, he's, you know, 
getting the, no, the nets ready to throw out on the other side. And he's like, what just happened? <laughs> I mean, these boys, you can't get good help anymore. I mean, they just take off. I mean, you see, I mean, it, if I've ever done a, 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 a yard project in our house, I mean, it takes me and Tana both just to keep our four kids uh, focused, all right? We're raking leaves, all right? Or we're, we're cutting the bushes, and we have to bag up all of these uh, clippings and, and, and put them at the street, and, and it's like a full-time job because every time you turn around, somebody's on their phone, uh, so-and-so's up in the, in the bathroom and mysteriously never comes back, and anybody else, I know I'm not the only one that has these problems, and here is... Zebedee is in the boat going, what just happened? I mean, all of a sudden, my, all of the help has gone. And, but they peaced out and went on to follow. They responded with immediate so quickly, they left poor old dad in the boat with the rest of the workers. I said, Pastor, what's the application? Do you believe the message of the gospel this morning? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried? He's calling us to believe in the gospel that Jesus died and rose to pay for your sins. Do you believe in the gospel? Because you see, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, For I delivered unto you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the gospel. In a nutshell, if you don't remember anything else this morning, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, snap, snap a picture of that. That's the gospel, how Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Do you believe the message of the gospel? Because, folks, it's not just enough to have a head knowledge. Yeah, I've heard he did, but that was a really long time ago. No, you have to believe it. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. It, it, it changes everything. And then secondly, are you involved in the method of discipleship? Jesus didn't just call 12 men to follow him 2,000 years ago. This morning he's saying, I want you to lay down your nets. I want you to lay down your, your uh, tools. I want you to lay down all of your brains and all of the things that I've gifted you with. And I want you to follow me and make disciples of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus didn't call just 12 men. He's calling each of us to be a bold witness. And last Sunday we looked in Acts 1-8 where he says, I'm going to empower you to be witnesses that starts in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. He says, I've called you with a calling, a purpose to go and make disciples of every nation. Let me ask you this morning, are you trying to hinder Jesus' meddling in your life? Because you see what happens is, sometimes we get the mentality like, Lord, I'm just looking for my fire insurance card. I'm just looking for my get out of hell free card. And I ain't really signing up for, you know, laying down my nets and following someone. I'm not really looking for that. Folks, the reality is, is if we aren't willing to follow Jesus, we can't be his disciples. If we're not willing to lay aside our plans and say, Father, I want to trust fully in you, and I want to follow you, and I want you to use me for your, your glory, for your renown, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ.
What about your career? Let's say, well, Pastor David, I've prepared. I've been in college for years. So have I. What? I've, this is my plan, and by 35, I'm going to be here, and by 50, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to retire early at 59, and I've got it all mapped out, Pastor David. Well, isn't that special? What if God has a different plan and a purpose to use you in his kingdom to help radically transform your city, your community with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What if he wants to upset the apple cart? What about your connections? What about your comfort zone and say, hey, Pastor David, I could never, ever be up on stage doing what you do. I said the same thing as a teenager. You won't get me up on stage. My dad did that. I was like, I was terrified. My comfort zone is behind the, the keyboard and the piano, and I would play up there all day long, but don't ask me to say a single word. And folks, you know what? God has a funny sense of humor. Don't say what you're not going to do because that may be the very thing he calls you. And if he calls you, he'll also equip you to accomplish for his glory. Jesus used ordinary people. And if you allow him this morning, he will use even you. I want to invite you this week, read Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 34. As we prepare for next Sunday, ministry can happen anywhere. It can happen tomorrow morning in your office. It can happen at the garage where you're getting your car worked on. It can happen at the dentist office where they're, you know, they're, isn't it funny how they ask you all these questions when they're working on your teeth and you're like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. I mean, you're asking me these questions, but your, your fingers are up in my mouth, and I, I can't really. But folks, those are opportunities to share the good news of the gospel. Miss Winnie is a bold witness for Jesus Christ. And, and when she has been taking cancer treatments, God has placed her in that very office to be a witness and a light. And folks, I, I love watching your post because it's inspiring to see how God can use us in the most out-of-the-way place, the most unconventional place, to be a witness and testimony, you never know how someone may be watching. What they're going to watch is walking through the deep waters and the fiery trials and say, you know what, I don't know what she has, but I want some of that. I don't know what the secret to their joy is, but I want to have that in my life. And folks, that's what he's saying. Choose to follow Jesus make disciples. He uses ordinary people just like me and you if we'll allow him to, to accomplish the mission of the gospel. Heavenly Father, would you speak to our hearts this morning? What a privilege and opportunity we have in our city. Lord, each one of us that are here this morning, you brought us here for a purpose, for a cause so much greater than ourselves to step out of our comfort zone and walk across the street, across the hall, walk next door, talk to the person across at the table beside us at a restaurant, but to share the good news of the gospel, you've called us to get out of our comfort zone. Just as, as Simon and Andrew and James and John answered that call with obedience, God, would you speak to our hearts this morning and would you radically transform our lives, our future, Help us to understand the purpose for which we are created is to glorify you. And we can do that most effectively when we are faithful. 
in the call to make disciples. God, do a mighty work in our hearts and lives this morning. Those that have never placed their faith and trust in you and believed in the gospel, God, may they come this morning and allow the, someone to take the word of God and show them with confidence how they can begin that relationship. Will we care for the beauty of all honor, praise, and glory? With heads bowed and eyes closed.